Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Welcome. How's everybody doing? You ready for the heat today? Gonna be a hot one. All right. Hey, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're going to try to jam through this. We got interviews. We got opportunities. We got the Word of God. It's going to be really good. Really encouraging morning. So, um... We have this month a lot going on. Connection groups start back up, I think in about two weeks, two or three weeks, up to 16th, 17th. So we have Wednesday, Thursday night options. So make sure that you guys are uh, signing up for that, getting in that. And uh, both those are in Murrieta. So hopefully I know we're all over the place from Hemet to South Temecula. But find the right uh, group for you there. Uh, looking forward to that. Also, uh, on the 13th, we're going to Mexico down to Tijuana Christian Mission. We're going to visit the orphanage down there. Rosarito is where we're going. And they're going to bring the teenagers and the kids, so we get to hang out with them all. So if you like little kids who want to play games, play tag, hang out, you have the opportunity for some of us, hang out with the teenagers. Uh, they like it when we train them on stuff, do things. So, um, so we'll see if you have any skills or things you want to do, making bracelets, things like that. Uh, we might do a little martial arts down there again, so uh, we're talking about that. So we'll see. So that's going to uh, be happening. Sign up for that. Make sure you got your passport. And so... Um, uh, yeah, just make sure you're all good to go there. So that's, that's happening. Here's the big thing. It's not on the internet because it just happened. So just talk to the principal and a uh, great guy, but they had a previous bad experience with the church. Kind of ruined it for us as far as we've always wanted to have storage here. It's been a no-go, no-go, no-go. Talked to him this week though. And a couple of things I'm like, hey, what are needs you have where access gets no credit? We just want to see you guys succeed and we love being here. And so he said, we need clothes from uh, kindergarten to fifth grade, they have quite a few families that they need anywhere from underwear to clothes, boys and girls. So I said, perfect. I said, also, how's storage looking? Is there anything we could do to build trust? And uh, he just said, hey, sounds good. We'll measure it out. So we're going to have storage here. So we're super stoked about it. A few chances of our prayer. Yeah, I know. Some of you guys are like, you're an easily entertained church. You are clapping for the miracle of storage. But it saves our church th- actually 300 300- $350 a month. That's, that's big for our size of church. So we're going to save quite a bit of money. And then also it's going to be way easier for uh, the setup and the teardown. So that's what's going on. But close. So this week, I would love for you to really um, follow through. Don't just, don't just think about it. Go to Target. Go to somewhere that needs to be new. Don't go through the old kids' clothes. Don't. No. We're going to go new. And so uh, just buy. Buy a bunch of stuff. Uh, if uh, you don't have time, if you want to give extra this week to the church, you can do that through the website or our church app. And then Laura Lee will go out. We'll buy some more. And so we really next Sunday want to bring it all and just have it here for them when they show up on Monday morning. Big deal for us because we're in a partnership with them and we want them to really uh, feel supported. Yeah. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Next. Kinder, kinder through fifth. They just gave me a big wide swath. Yeah. So just kind of go berserk there. So we would, uh, no shoes. Underwear, he said underwear and clothes. He didn't say backpack, so. I mean, if you want to kind of go berserk, I'm sure they won't say no, but that's what he told me. So some of you might know better. Um, so yeah, just a heads up on that. Uh, and then next Sunday is going to be super exciting. So uh, we have Shay Montez. going to get baptized next week. So the horse trough comes out. We're looking forward to that. And so what does that mean when we baptize? 
after church lunch. That's what it means. So we're going to pull the tables out, let the kids run around, go crazy, eat lunch, and uh, celebrate uh, just our baptism. So, yep, just a heads up on that. All right, at this time, how you doing, brother? Almost there? Thank you. Awesome. Good job. Oh, you guys are clapping for everything today. Man, just, man, you fix your guitar, they clap. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we just had a big group uh, of our youngins come back from Young Life Camp. They were serving uh, for about a month. And so um, great experience. A few of them uh, are going back for another couple months. I know my son's going to be heading back. So they want to, uh, they need more and more support. And so it's a great opportunity in ministry. So I just want to have them as they come back kind of share about um, just like maybe one cool story and then just kind of how it impacted them serving. David also, do you serve a week or two weeks? One week. So David went, he's a part of Young Life. So they're going to come up. So let's just kind of hear what God did. And then when we're done there, I would like to pray for Diane. She knows she's communicating. She's in the hospital. Talked about last week. Um, cancer is confirmed. And so we're going to pray for her. We don't know what level though. So just, you know, information wise. And really, uh, for now, only a few people are kind of talking to her, and that's kind of better right now for her. It gets overwhelming, and we'll continue to keep you guys updated on what's going on. So we're going to pray for her today. But all right, so uh, the Aidens, come on up. Jordan, come on up. Is Ileana here? Did, she, did Ileana make it? Nope. Okay. David, go ahead and come on up. Just good to go? There we go. Check, kitty, check, check. Look, you guys are all shining. All right, that's perfect order right there. Perfect order right there. All right. Aiden number one. He should be. That was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling me out on the internet and in front of everybody. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Aiden, just share about kind of like what you did, uh, how it impacted you, and then if there's just anything in kind of story that, that stood out to you. I know it's pretty powerful. So. Yeah. Um, bear with me. I didn't prepare for this at all, but. Uh... Yeah, I was on uh, summer staff for Young Life at uh, Lost Canyon this whole month, from the 3rd to 29th. And um, I think my, my job was program tech, so anything I had to do with sound or lighting or any event, I was there. So I had like, I think sometimes 12 to 14 hour shifts each, like from day one to three. But it was super cool, like we were, we were there to serve. So I felt like I was in my element. I was super blessed to have that job rather than like cooking or something like that. But um, no, it was super dope. Um, I loved it. I had to come from that humility and learn everything the Young Life way. That was cool. Um, so, like, the first week was a lot of trial and error. I had to, like, lean on God through that. Because I had, like, imposter syndrome, too, because the month prior, we came as leaders. And then we came this month, and we only had, like, one day of training. And that was it. We were, like, like the next day, like, 500 kids were there. So we're, like, crap. That, that's how so, Young yeah. Life does it. We're <laughs> going to train like, you for one day, and you're a pro. Go. That was it, yeah. So, God works. Yeah, yeah, God works. Yeah, God knows. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was super dope. Um, I loved it. Um, I think my favorite week was there was probably the Capernaum week, which is a special needs camp. So there was about like 300, 400 kids there. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it was super dope because I, I felt like my job, I didn't get to interact with, um, you know, the other camps. But this camp, I was able to, there was a more um, flexibility. And I was like choosing the songs on, like, I was DJing for the kids and then, a lot of them would come up to me and request a song, and then once they played the song, there was like so much joy from them. I could dance with them too, so it was super sweet. So they didn't get that kind of attention at home. But um, one of the kids I interacted with, he was um, he was such a character. Like all of them were so memorable. His name was Matty Ice. So everyone, everywhere we go, we would call Matty Ice. And then 
remember saying bye to him and in like every person who came up to say bye to him like he just started bawling and crying because he didn't get that um you know he didn't get that attention at home so they like, it was cool being those vessels to show how much we loved on these kids like how god would love on them so that was super dope um i don't know how he found my number but he facetimed me like right after camp <laughs> so i have they're no smarter idea than yeah. you think. no they're, they're smart. really smart yeah <laughs> So yeah, I think that was probably my favorite week because um, yeah. I got to interact with those kids more. And that was just awesome. Super yeah. blessed to be there the whole month. Yeah, right on. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Jordan. Okay, so I was on summer staff too. I was on landscape, so I pretty much <laughs> watered the flowers, pulled all the weeds around camp, and basically did all the odd jobs. But um, it was really great for me because I wasn't really supposed to be there. I decided like two weeks before, and I was actually supposed to be on work crew, which is for the high schoolers. But... I just graduated, so they put me up because I needed people. So it was a weird dynamic with like having a bunch of older people and everything. But it was a really good month to learn how to like trust God through everything. I really felt like He was teaching me like no matter what, just like it's just me and you, you know. And a cool experience again during the Capernaum week. Um, I, this is a really stupid example, but they had this big carnival that they do for everyone. And one of the, the station that I ran was called Fishbowl. So. It's like little fish bowls, and you try to get ping pong bongs to land in them, and it's like really impossible. It's so rigged, and like nobody ever wins. There was maybe like two to three kids, like normally in the other weeks, who would get it all night. And in the first 10 minutes, there was five kids who got it, and like they just kept getting it all night and all night. And I just thought it was like a really cool example of like the simplicity of their faith in their life, and just like I feel like that's how God intended our faith to be. So I feel like we could look at them and acknowledge that like. It's just more simple than we think. We don't have to overcomplicate it. That was cool. Awesome. Thank you for serving, Jordan. Really proud of you. All right, what about the haters? Yeah, I was a lifeguard this summer, so just at the pool and the lake, they had like a little elevator thing. Climb up, and so it was fun. Um, it was really cool for me to just get out there and just spend time with the Lord um, and just connect with everybody. We had about 45 people there, guys and girls. And um, it was really a blessing because we all connected really easily. There was no drama. And um, it was just, it was super cool to connect with everybody. Everybody was really open and vulnerable. And it was just awesome. I felt, it was one of those things where you feel like you've known them forever and it's been like a week. Like I caught myself the first night, like talking to one of them. Like I've talked to my friends at home and I was like, I just met you like two hours ago. Um, so that was really cool. Um, for me, Capernaum week was awesome. But for me, um, the first week we had a bunch of kids that came in a bunch of guys that were just like super disrespectful and like just not listening to anything um and in my mind like the first thing i thought was like why are you in here like to take away from other kids camp experience um i must have forgotten how i was but uh <laughs> it was it was just um it was like hard for me in a sense because it was like every like there are other people here that are trying to have a good time and like you're distracting super loud like when you shouldn't be and stuff like that uh and so I had to like just relax and remember that, that everybody's here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And it was super cool because they do a, a thing called uh, the walk of faith, something like that. Um, like on the last day, they have people get into groups of new people who decided to follow Jesus that week, people who have already been following Jesus, and then people who still have questions. And I saw like a few of those boys in that group that they decided to give their life to the Lord this week. So that was really cool just to be like, that was like one little thing that I was caught up on and the God changed their life this week. So that was really cool just to see that everybody's there for a reason. And I was really happy to have in the first week because then the rest of the weeks, so it was a lot easier. Um, and I kept seeing people join that group. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. I love it there. So it was really fun. 
and it was just a blessing. And you're headed back. Yeah, Andrew, I'll talk to you about this after. I'm actually go- I'm actually going back for two months on Saturday, um, to the same place. Um, so they need help for the uh, this season called shoulder season, which is just a really busy season. There's only two days in all two, from August 8th to October 10th that nobody's there. And so I'm actually going to be headed back on Saturday, um, and then I'll be gone for two months, and then I'll be back. But yeah, it was just a blessing, and God provided this opportunity for me. And while I'm able to, I want to take advantage of it. Um, so yeah, it should be fun. All right, thank you. Proud of you. David's been serving with Young Life, and him and Selena have actually been involved for a while in different capacities. Uh, he does volunteer, and a lot of these guys do uh, every week, and then goes to the camp every year. So, um, yeah, just have you share about how camp was this year? Yeah, unlike unlike these uh, these three, I was only there one week. Um, I was there for the middle school camp, um, and there there is a reason I teach high school, not middle school. So, so but whenever I'm at camp. Um, I'm often reminded of my shortcomings mm-hmm. um, and, and just in a leadership role, I see my, my own flaws all the time. Um, but uh, it's, I just know it's an impactful time getting to see uh, kids be kids and have fun and do things that they've never done before. Yeah. It's, it's just really exciting to be a part of it and to see it, see the joy. Um, and uh, I, one, of the, one of the times that I was moved um, was when we do something called cabin time, um, and it's just a, like a discussion time that you have in your cabin. And we had a big enough cabin that we broke up into two, so we had smaller groups. Um, but to see middle school boys like share their hurts, or um, and 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 see them break down into tears as they're sharing like things or how they're hurting, uh, that was it was just a moving experience for me. Um, and you know, just a realization that hey, these are real people, um, even though even though they're middle school boys, um, <laughs> and uh, they're children of God, and um, they need love from me. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, we've been a huge supporter of Young Life, so appreciate what you guys have sacrificially given, um, and uh, we're going to continue to be. If you ever want to be involved, you know who uh, to talk to. And uh, still be praying for uh, Bethany uh, is still there leading worship. Say what? Grace is still there? Both of them. So we've got Bethany and Grace. Be praying for them. Do you know when they come back, Jordan? God, young life. Like you get involved and they, they don't let you out. You know, it's just like, we have this thing called shoulder season. Okay, so she might be saying, Bethany, has she come back, ever come back, or we're never going to see her again? Late August. Awesome. So we'll be praying for them. I love that our church is involved, active, so when you don't see people, they're doing stuff, and it's uh, really cool. So, um, All right, so I want to pray for Diane. I want to lift her up in prayer. We're going to get into groups. We had a lot going on today, so groups, we're going to kind of jam through that with our little Q&A, get to know each other kind of thing. Uh, when I get done praying, get in groups of don't, not too big, about four to five, so we can kind of jam through this. So uh, look around you, look for the nice people while I'm praying. If someone looks mean, get away from them, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So you can have your eyes open while I pray. Jesus, um, thank you for today. Uh, we thank you, God, um, that I'm proud of our church, Lord, that we practice what we believe rather than just believing. 
and that you're moving us, um, whether it's with middle school, high school, you're moving us as parents with our own kids to disciple them, not just parent them. Um, you're moving us, Lord, in our city. You're moving us in uh, Mexico. You're moving us. All, it's just awesome. So thank you. I pray we'd be a church that we continue to participate with you and never lose our joy because that's what this life is about because it pro provides this opportunity to get ready for the next life. And I pray we'd be a church that we are ready. Jesus, I lift up Diane. Um, God, thank you that her faithfulness to church has been amazing. Lord, we pray that you would heal the cancer, that you would give doctors incredible wisdom, give her uh, the right hospitals that are thinking about moving her. Lord, I pray that all the biopsies, um, Lord, that they uh, just would come back comprehensively, Lord, that we'd know where the cancer is. But Lord, we pray for, her, uh, for a healing hand upon her. Uh, Jesus, thank you for her faithfulness that she's witnessing to doctors and nurses <laughs> even while she's in the hospital bed. And she's praying for our church um, even while she's in the hospital bed. I pray that her life would inspire us. I pray her struggles would inspire us. And God, I pray we would love her well the way you called us to love her. In your name, Jesus. Amen. We have paper in the back. I encourage you to take notes, especially as we, uh, we're going to start connection groups soon. So if you're in a connection group, make sure you're taking notes so our discussion is robust. Hey, you guys, as I said before, we got a lot going on. We appreciate you uh, praying, participating. We've revamped children's ministry. Uh, and so uh, that relaunch with the training is going to be happening in August. Praying for Laura Lee. Laura Lee's never done this before. She put in a lot of time and effort and prayer. She's back there right now. But um, So be praying for her. Uh, get back to her. Communicate. That's good because she tells me that I have to communicate with you, and that'll be different than how she communicates with you. So get back to her so her job is joyful. Uh, be praying for Andrew also. We just hired him on if you want to give him a hand. So Andrew Brock. Um, Andrew's going to continue to oversee uh, the media. The, he's um, ramped up our Instagram. Uh, he does all the YouTube postings, things like that. So if you're on social media a lot, uh, be aware of that, like things, share things like that. He's working hard on that. And then uh, as we've been revamping children's ministry, we're also going to be starting a middle school ministry. And so Andrew's going to be heading that up. So be praying for that young man, and we appreciate what he does. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. If you have your Bibles or you've memorized it in your heart and you need to know where to go in your heart, I know some of you is just right there. Luke chapter 12. Luke 12 is where we're going to be. I know we were there last week. We're going to sit on it because Jesus is in the middle of something for several chapters now. You notice he's debating a lot. He's getting into it. He's mixing it up. Uh, he wants to clarify things. He's not just trying to stir the pot, but he's trying to help things. You got to stir the pot to clarify how you really think and feel about things. He's got these disciples that he know that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to empower to lead the church. They need to think clearly and understand the ways of God because he wants them to do ministry the way God wants them, uh, him to, not how they want to do it. So he's clarifying a lot of things. He's been talking about that one of the key things in your faith that you got to really understand is we can easily wander into being hypocrites. Being a hypocrite is actually easy in life. If you don't know that, then bear a child, have that child grow up, and then notice in yourself the hypocrisy as you tell them not to do things and you do it yourself, right? Don't throw tantrums and you go in your room and you throw a tantrum over finances, right? Treat people nicely and then you have that spouse there that you're not super nice with, right? Parenting is basically an experiment on how big of a hypocrite we are. That's what parenting is. If you're, if you're not a parent and you want to be one, that's what it is, right? It's a beautiful thing. God works in that mess, but it really reveals a lot. 
we got to understand with Christianity because I think a lot of us think, oh, a hypocrite is really bad and evil, and we're nowhere near that. What God's trying to yell with the bullhorn is, you're easily like that. And Jesus' warning saying, don't be like that because I don't want you to be surprised when your life is done. My biggest fear as a pastor is not necessarily how the church is going. It's where you guys are going and you don't deceive yourselves. That you stand for Jesus and you know, I wasn't perfect, but I'm saved by grace. I trusted him. And he says, I know who you are. I know you. Right? We know that passage that says you can do many things. I went to church. I gave. I was part of a committee. I did this. I served in this way. And he goes, awesome. Yeah, really. I mean, you helped me, but I don't know you. Right? So I, I need you to understand that. So Jesus is saying, this is a big deal. And he's using the word hypocrites, which last week, you remember the definition of hypocrites? Remember what I said? An actor. And back then they used to put um, a mask on and they played different parts. You're playing different parts. I feel like a Christian, but then when it comes to action, I don't want to be one. And in public, oh yeah, and that. But in private, I'm thinking something different. An actor, right? And he's saying, do not be an actor. And he's, and he's showing what actors look like. He's giving specifics. Today, we talk about something where he gives a specific saying, this is where don't be a hypocrite when it comes to money. And I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on money, what you guys shared about. What I want to do today is say that God actually has an opinion. And here's what we tend to not think. We tend to think that money doesn't matter to God. And you've got it wrong. In the next four chapters, Jesus speaks about six times on money. So it actually is a big deal. And it's okay that it's a big deal. Just don't mishandle that big deal. Don't minimize what God says. No, that's a big deal. So handle it well and understand my view of money. I think today's going to, and when I say the word money, I know everyone's just like, eh, where are we going with this, right? No, money's a great thing. Money, there's no morality with it. It's what you do with it, Right? So money, we don't have to be scared of. We don't have to be scared to talk about it in church. It's a great thing. And I hope today's really going to actually free up. My goal is not to tell you anything. It's for God to speak to you to really inspire you. That's my goal today. So we pick up in Luke chapter 12. Jesus just, just, man, just getting into it. And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Probably a younger brother because the older brother back then didn't have to worry about it. If you're the older one, it all came to you. Much different than nowadays where, I don't know how parents do it, they just pick their favorite one or what they do, but you know, I don't know how your families do it. So, but back then, the oldest got it all. So probably a younger brother being like, what? And thinking through, have you ever done that? Thinking through what someone else is going to get. You hear someone else gets a raise, oh, they get all this. You hear someone else bought that, oh, they get all this. Probably doing that. And so the beauty of Jesus is, I don't know if you've ever spent time with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever done that. But what Jesus loves to do is you ask a question, he gives an answer that has nothing to do with the question. Because Jesus cares about your heart where you tend to care about your circumstances. And so he's going after the heart. He's like, hey, what about the inheritance? I love Jesus' response. He replied, man, I didn't even know that. That's the first time I read this where he's like, man. And I'm assuming that's how he said it, you know. Man. Who appointed me to be judge or an arbitrator between you? Wah, wah, wah. Okay. Right in front of everybody, Jesus just kind of, but he said, let me address something a little bit deeper. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Not one kind, many different kinds of greed. There's some greed where it's part of your identity and you don't want people to think that you don't manage money well. You don't have certain things where you can't, but no, 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 let me get that because you don't want to be seen as incompetent. Some kind of greed where you jealously, you feel like everyone gets it. I 
that family gets it, and I don't. It's a different kind of greed. You have all these kinds of greed. He said, watch out. Watch out for that. It's not good. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, this has always been a big deal to God. Just so you know, greed, uh, some of you old school people, different word, right? Coveting. Remember where coveting comes from? Go back to Old Testament, Ten Commandments. Tenth Commandment made it in the top ten. Just slid in to the top ten. Do not covet. For thousands of years, God's been saying, it's important, but don't covet it. Use it, don't worship it. And what do human beings tend to do? It's all about money. It'll fix all my problems. It'll help so much here. I'll be happier. I'll be this. I'll be that. It's interesting that um, over the last 30 years, Japan's wealth, when you look at it as a nation, Japan's wealth has is, is gone up exponentially now that they've diminished the, the family unit. They've gone after work, but they've achieved a lot of financial success. You know what's interesting when you look at data with suicide rate in Japan? Do you think in the last 30 years it's gone up or down? Because money fixes everything, right? They're killing themselves at an alarming rate in Japan because they lack love, not money. And Jesus is trying to get this across. Jesus is saying to this man, you want a better circumstance, but I want a better heart. And I've got a path for you for a better heart, because that's what matters in life. And then he told him a parable, because Jesus likes to tell stories. Yep, he's one of those parents that he gives you a point, and then he elaborates more and more and more. And so he really wants to drive home the point. He says, listen, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I got too much. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain. Notice it's all about who? I did it. I made it rain. I made the sun come around. I'm the one that made the soil. Now, did he do some stuff? Probably. But it's interesting where when you're greedy, you have no perspective of anyone else but yourself. It's a sign of greed. We should think about ourselves. We just shouldn't become obsessed with ourselves. And if you're thinking about yourself, it's so that you can serve, not so that you can be, just be in your own little world and it's all about me kind of thing. That's where he is. I, I have plenty. And he says, you have plenty of grain and laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And isn't that the American dream, which we, conf which we confuse with Christianity? I know it frustrates some of you. I always separate Americanism and Christianity because we've convoluted the two and nothing of the same. It's demonic to bring that into Christianity. The American dream is more, bigger, better, so I can take it easy, so I can work less. You know what's interesting about that? Again, when it comes to longevity, another little study that might be interesting for you when it comes to data is the people that live the longest usually work the longest. When you stop living, you begin dying. That's why they say stay active. Keep the brain active. Keep don't. And we want to do nothing. And God said, that's a greedy way of living. He said, you fool. But God said to them, you fool, that very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Notice he says, this will be for whoever stores up things for themselves and leaves it at that. It's okay to store up things in order that you can then give things 
away. Notice God's view of money. Use it, don't worship it. And then get it in order to invest it. It's okay to get it. It's okay to work hard. It's okay to put things in the storehouse. But not so that I can exclude people, but so that I can change people's lives. That's why God's like, money's a big deal. Money's a big deal. And it's powerful if used in the right way. So a couple things I want us to think through today, okay? A couple things just to get your minds going when it comes to your faith. And the goal is that we're living with a genuine and generous faith. That's the, that's the title that we're going to put up there. Living with a genuine and generous faith. First thing I'd like you to write down is this. View money as a resource from God, not a replacement of God. First thing. View money as a resource from God, not a replacement of God. Why do we like money so much? Why does the world like money? I won't say you because then you're, you don't want to answer honestly. Why does the world promote? Why do we like money so much? We have motivations. Well, because in our minds, we think of it as it gives us security and success. And we all want that. We all want security and we all want success. You can define that in different ways, but we all want that, right? And what's interesting, the Bible over and over says, God is the one who gives you security and will give you success. Trust me. And that's why he says, be very careful of being greedy about money because it can become a God very, very easily. Luke 16, 13, uh, just a few uh, chapters later, Jesus says this, be careful, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Are you using it, or are you obsessed with it? Is it one of the things that I want it because it can replace God, and then I don't have to trust him? Because if I have it, why do I need to pray? I got the money. Right? Why do I need to do certain things? I got money, and it becomes our God. It becomes what we depend on for our happiness, for our security, and for our success. So let me divide this up. What does it mean to view money as a resource rather than a replacement? So this is what I mean. When, when it's a resource, then it's given by God for me to invest. So when it's a resource, that means I've been resourced. I've been given something so I can use it. If someone resources you at work, right? If you work with tools or something like that, they resource you. I'm going to give you this drill not so you can go do stupid things with it, so you can actually drill and work, right? It's a resource. And so we know that when we're investing and viewing money as it's given, rather than I, when I replace God, it's, it's earned by me for me to consume. That's the difference. So I'm just trying to help clarify so you can kind of know where you're at. Do I view it as, oh, I'm going to get it, tax return. <gasps> we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. No sense of, oh my God, I can give this. I'm not saying all of it. Does it even cross our minds? That's the difference between an investor and a consumer. Is it, I deserve more because I work hard versus I'm glad whatever God gives me with the job that I'm at? Two different ways. I'm trying to be like a, like a, a surgeon's scalpel to really get in, you guys, to some deep parts that sometimes we get confused with. You see, when I view God, uh, money as a resource from God, it means that money is a means to the end. And what's the end? That God is glorified, that I've made other lives better, 
and then I've used my resources for the kingdom of God. It's a means to the end. When I've replaced God, money is the end by any means. It's the end goal, to have more by any means. Which means if I have to skip church to work more, like that'll do it because that's my security. I can't. And God's like, no, 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 gather God's people. No, I gotta work more, 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 more. If it means that I neglect the family, and God's like, hey, fathers, lead your families. Be there, spend time, communicate, invest. Now I gotta work more. Now, now we're it's the end by any means. Does that help kind of clarify? And so we view God as a resource, our money as a resource from God, not a replacement of God. Um, I use Edward Jones for some of my investments. When I give that money to Edward Jones, I write a check to them. Is it their money? Some of you guys are like, I don't know. I do, I do the same thing. Is it theirs? You tell me. You need to meet with a financial advisor. Um, it's not their money, but they have a fiduciary responsibility. That means that they're managing it but they're expected to get me results. Now, they'll benefit, but it's not primarily for their benefit. If they do that, that's illegal. I got to be honest. I think God looks at some of us today saying, that's exactly what you're doing. I've given you something and you're stealing it, using it for your own investments, for your benefit. And there's no spiritual impact in this world. The greatest thing you can do with your money is not buy a bigger house. You might get a bigger house, but that's not the end goal. Can I say in the last year that I've used my money to change people's lives, that they know eternity, they know God, their needs have been taken care of? That's when you know you're handling God's money with fiduciary responsibility. And that's what he expects. Malachi, we'll go Old Testament. If you want to name your kid a cool Old Testament, Malachi rocks. Be a good kid, Malachi. Malachi 3, 6 through 10. This is what God says. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. But you ask, this is God talking to them through a prophet, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, he asked them, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? So they're, they're unaware. They're like, we're not robbing you. We're working the crops. We're doing all that kind of stuff. And he goes, in tithes and offerings. You see, they were required to give 10% right from the beginning. And just so you know, when they did crops back then, they would produce crops two to three times a year. And what God was saying is, don't do your first two crops and take care of your family and give me the third. The first crop at the beginning in spring segment what you think you'll get segment already 10 percent of that that could be the majority of your first crop how's that feel all your food going and you're like oh we got two more i hope it works out and god's like exactly because i am the one who will give you success and security but if you keep the crop then you don't really have to trust god if it doesn't go well guess what the temple gets no food why was that a problem because god called a whole group of people a whole tribe of people to take care of the temple to do the preaching, to do the teaching, to make sure the sacrifices were ready. And when the temple didn't have food, they didn't have food. You know what happened? They had to go work the fields, which means the temple wasn't taken care of. 
fiduciary responsibility, and it's a trickle effect. When we don't give, things happen, and we go in a downward spiral. And so God's like, I'll hold you responsible. In fact, he says, you're under a curse. That's a pretty big deal. Just, you know, if God ever says, like, you're under a curse for something, I would, like, stop and make sure I'm not doing that. That's just, if you didn't know that with the Bible, do that, right? Like, underline it, tattoo it right across your chest. Whatever you got to do, don't come under a curse. And he says, you're under a curse. Your whole nation is because you are robbing me. This is God's perspective on money. It's not yours. The resource I've given you, handle it well. Handle it well. His money, not mine. First Timothy, go to the New Testament, says this. Six, chapter 6, we'll look at verse 9 and then 17 through 19. It says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Have any of you guys seen that? Where someone chases money so hard and they ruin relationships, marriage, sons, daughters, they don't really know them. If any of you grew up in the 60s, 70s, cat in the cradle and the silver, that whole story, right? Pops wasn't around, right? And now I'm doing it to my kids, right? Because that's the only model I had. Um, and so he says, be careful of that. In fact, that word, if you want to circle or underline it, those who want to get rich, uh, the Greek word actually means to desire with full resolve. It's bigger than want. That Greek word, circle that, means to desire with full resolve. That is my everything. And God's like, you've just replaced me. He goes on in verse 17 to say this, and this is to the local church. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth. But by the way, many of us, we read that, we're like, that's not me. Because someone's always richer than us. So all of us consider, you know, we all do that. Let me give you a quick definition. If you didn't have to wonder where your next meal was coming from, they consider you rich. We are ridiculously rich. If you have one job, many of us have the opportunity to work two jobs. That's incredible because most of the world doesn't have that opportunity. We are rich. So he's speaking to us. So he's saying, unless you don't know where your next meals come from. Now, some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A or, well, they're closed. I don't know if I'm going to, you know. No, no, I'm not talking about that kind of wander. I'm talking like, I don't know if I'm going to eat. Then he's like, you're poor. This doesn't apply to you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth. That's what arrogance is. Don't replace God. Don't put your hope in a stock market. Don't put your hope in, I'm going to retire and just take it easy and golf and do nothing. You don't even know what your health is going to be like in 10 years. That might suck up all your money. You'll be depressed because that was your security around Jesus. Jesus is a way better investment plan than money. And I'm not saying don't save. I'm not saying don't, don't put in the you know, the, the storehouse like, the, like they were, right? I'm not saying don't do that. Just don't do it to consume it. Invest it while you use it for yourself too. He goes on to say that um, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. If you're going to be rich, be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. What God's saying here is, listen, Everybody's obsessed with being rich now. That's a worldly point of view because they're living for the now. They believe in nothing afterwards. This is their heaven. And what God is saying is, 
be rich in the afterlife because that's forever. Don't be rich just for 70 years. Be rich in the afterlife. And God wants to make you rich for eternity. He wants to keep blessing you. But he's being very clear. I'm going to judge you on how you give. Two judgments. One is, do you know Jesus? You're in. Second one is, I'm going to bless some people more than others in heaven. That's just the way it is. Biblical. So he's saying, keep that in mind for eternity rather than just for the next 50 years and how you view money and how you view your investments. Number two, living with a genuine, generous faith. Number two is this, focus on the discipline of giving more than the inspiration to give. Focus on the discipline of giving more than an inspiration to give. I want to encourage you with this. Nothing happens in life without self-discipline. Have you noticed that? Right? Have any of us tried to lose weight before? Right? We've been inspired. We cry. We watch YouTube videos. We see testimonies like, oh, it's okay. But then the discipline of the next morning, getting up and eating a carrot rather than a donut, super hard, right? And you're like, I'll do it tomorrow, donut, right? Or I'll pray that maybe God will take away the calories. Like we, we do all these justifications. I want to encourage you with this. Young people, I want to encourage you guys with this when it comes to anything from marriage to business to anything. Self-discipline over being daily inspired is the key. Success. You get up and you do what you should do, not what you want to do. That's self-discipline. Just and you need to know. You do what you should do, not what you want to do. And for many of us that have struggled with success in any capacity of life, we tend to vacillate and we do what we want to do rather than what we should do. And what that gives you is short-term happiness. Self-discipline, just so you know, it gives you long-term happiness. It's short-term, long-term. That's all it is. And what the Bible is going to say is focus on the discipline of giving, not this, oh, I need to be moved in the inspiration of giving. Self-discipline, what that does, it gives us habits that are consistent and uncompromised. Self-discipline means I want the donut, I'm not going to eat it because I know the long-term benefit is this stupid carrot. Yeah, and you call it a stupid carrot. But you know it's a benefit, right? I'm uncompromised, right? So when finances go down, I'm uncompromising my giving to the church. It's not the first thing that goes. And if I'm honest in our society, I see it in our church and I see it in other churches, the first thing to go when everything tightens is giving to God. And we got it backwards. And yet we want to be so blessed by God. And he goes, no way. You're skewing. You don't trust me. You're taking away from me first. And then, and so just, you know, self-discipline is I, I will not be compromised, but I'll also be consistent. It's not whenever I feel like it. It's boom. Let's make this a, a daily part of our lives. And I want to encourage you with this because we're, we live in an inspirational and an aspirational society, right? Everything's about emotion and moving. And, and emotion is good, but it can be bad, right? So inspiration cares a lot about people, but discipline actually takes care of people. And there's a difference. Some of us in this room care deeply about people, but we actually don't take care of people. And I want you to understand this. With the Word of God, what He means by this is that that's great that you care about people, but what God wants is for you to actually care for people. Oh, I've, I, I've met people. Oh, man, the homeless. I do this, I do this. How much have you given to homeless people? Zero. Or when I'm inspired, I'm like, oh, I think I've done a lot. But if you were to go through your bank account, you're like, oh, crud, I've done nothing. Oh, I love church. I love Mexico. I love TC. I love, I love it. Deep love. I think, I, I think I'm doing, I think I'm, okay. Today, go through the last three months. What have you invested in the orphanage in our church? 
I'll leave it up to you. I'm not saying I'm going to snoop. I'm saying when you investigate sometimes, we know we're inspirational when our emotions don't match our actions. And God's like, ah, bring that into balance. Now, he doesn't say to have no emotions where it's like, right, write checks. I don't, he's saying, no, no, that's not good either. But don't just live an inspired life without living a disciplined life. You guys, I just want to share, you guys know I tend to be honest. Just this is what we're doing. I want to be very authentic with you. So what that means is like for our family, twice a week, money comes out of our account. Year-round, doesn't stop. Economy goes up and down. Sometimes we can buy more things, sometimes we buy less things. Christine's on 10 months as a teacher. Those two months, we don't get a paycheck. doesn't stop. Boom, it's consistent. That's why I say get on tight. They just give consistently. Investing in um, the children down at TCM, T1 Christian Mission, $50 a month. Boom. Monthly, let's do it. Let's visit. Let's have a relationship with her, not just write a check and be like, I'm doing a good thing. And let her know. And those kids are inspired by it. Those of you who are giving, the kids are inside. You see them, the kids are excited. You're changing lives. It's an eternal investment. It's not just money. It's what you buy. Is your home a ministry? If you have an extra room and someone's in need, can you bring them in? You're like, oh, going to mess up our schedule, the kids. Wrong mindset, right? And investing says, I have an extra room. I have a vehicle. You guys know, we've got a truck this year. I love it. I use it every week for church. I use it for mix. I love it. I want that thing to be dirty and lots of miles on it. And it, why? Because it remind, we had our Suburban. Church used it for thousands and thousands of miles. And I looked, I looked at Burb, it's like, yeah. It's an investment, it's not for us. Now we'll use it, but we won't worship it. Does that make sense? It's the things, it's the money. But when a church gets in that mindset, and there's momentum there. There's generosity and lives are being changed. Don't pass up what God puts in front of you. If you have a heart for the homeless person, always have gift cards in your car. If you have a heart for a homeless person, always have cash that you can go buy them a meal. If you have a heart for homeless people, then give 10 minutes and don't just throw money at them. Make sure you're scheduled in. You have discipline of saying, I'm going to go in and buy them a meal. And you know what that does to your kids who grow up in a home and they see parents do that rather than be like, oh, we'll pray for them. Or yeah, we care about homeless people. They're like, oh, I've never seen it before. All kinds of ways to make it a self-discipline. Hebrews 13, 16 talks about this, where he says, and do not, what's that word? Forget. Do not forget to do good and to share with others. Why? Because we can easily forget. Because when I'm inspired, I'm in the moment, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And then we get out and we're like, oh, the kids are running around. We got to do this. We do and we totally forget. He's saying, don't forget. Make it a daily discipline. Think about it. Implement it. Do good things and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. For with such sacrifices, God is actually pleased. That, what that means is that aroma of giving to him, it smells good. You guys ever, like, those of you coffee addicts, smell your coffee? It's weird. I know we're weird. Okay, I know your, your respect for me is going to go way down, but one of my favorite things about coffee, not just drinking, is I put two hands around it. It warms my soul. And then I do this. It's from Hawaii, so it's super special, right? Uh, it's, the, it's the coffee of the gods. I shouldn't say that, one god, but anyway, you know what I mean, right? Smell that coffee. That's the imagery, you guys. When you give and you live a sacrificial life, God says that aroma, the sacrifice, it's a sweet offering. And when we don't do it and we give some things to God, it's not with the right heart or it's an amount that means nothing to us. 
God goes, ooh. And you put that coffee down. You don't even use that coffee. You don't even drink from it. That's the imagery. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. I know I'm hammering my point home. I'm about to wrap up. But I've got to hit this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor him. Some of us will have greater wealth. Some of us have less. Whatever wealth God gives you. And here's the thing. If it's a gift from him, he's going to give different gifts to different people. We all have different gifts. Right? Some of you have the gift of, of prayer. Right? I pray for about 30 minutes and then I, I start losing it. I'm like, thinking about other things. Right? Some of you pray for hours. You'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I watch YouTube videos. You wake up at 2 in the morning. What do you do? You pray. I'm like, ah, right? You have that gift, that desire. Some of you, are, you have that gift where God uses to fix things and to serve behind the scenes and you just do it really well and, and you're easy to work with and, you're, and you have that gift where other people, it's like, they just don't, they can't figure it out or they, they complain. Or they, that's not their gift, right? God's going to give those gifts and don't be jealous if he gives more gifts or different gifts or more money to the other person. Be satisfied with what you have and honor God with whatever he gives you. That's the key to contentment. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled and overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I will bless you as you bless him. That's what I say to my financial advisor. More money I make, guess what, Edward Jones? More money you make. Less money I make, there's going to be a problem, right? God says, listen, it's the same way. The more I invest in you and you invest in others, the more I'm going to keep investing in you. You guys trust him. Trust him, I've seen it. I'll give you an example just again. Our lives this year, we're in summertime. That's always the tightest budget for us. We just went on vacation, we drove to Texas and back. More money, right? Luckily, gas prices were going down as we were going out, but still, they were good. But we had a great time, all that kind of stuff. And it can be a little stressful. I don't know if any of you have done this, but when you look at your tithing sometimes, I'll be honest, it's like, that's a family vacation. That's another vehicle for us. Like, I'm just being honest with you. Those are the evil thought, right? And I'm just like, okay, I got to repent. But I look at that and I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> you know, it's like what we could do with that, right? And God says, keep giving, keep giving. He'll do all, we've, we've had food given to us at random times. We've had crazy checks sent from the government. When does the government randomly send you checks where it's like, they owe us and they actually remembered? My wife's never had a a random bonus before. She works at a small school. so um, And so it's one of those things that I was just reminded again where she's like, hey, the board of our school just decided to go ahead and give just a one-time bonus during summer to all the teachers before they start. I didn't know that. What if two months ago I'd have been like, ah, let me just not give. No one's going to know. I'm just going to stop it for a couple months. And God, I'll, I'll get back on it. I'll give you more at Christmas time, right? And it's, we'll make up, God will make up the difference. And God's like, trust me, trust me, trust me. I never could have known that some school that had never done it before was going to do a, a great bonus for her. And that's where God says, Brian, I'm your success. I'm your security. Use money, don't worship it. That's the joy of the church, the joy of God. And what's cool is when you're done with this life, hopefully your greatest investments and your greatest rewards will be in heaven for eternity. So now when we worship, hopefully we can worship with the mindset of a God who's good, of a God who's got you, but a God who says, listen, I want you to be responsible with what I give you. Know where your money is. Know how much you're getting. Know where you're allocating it. Don't just frivolously spend because it's his resource, not yours. 
and participate with him in trusting him. And I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying just sit back. But I'm saying as you work hard, don't work for money, work for God. That's the key. The worship team's going to come up. We're going to take time. You guys, I encourage you this week, be generous with buying clothes for the school and bring it next Sunday. Don't have good inspirational, aspirational about, uh, you know, intentions. Bring it. Make it a discipline. Figure out today, this week, we're going to put it on our schedule. Tijuana Christian Mission, they also, we have it on our website. They need school supplies. Go online, actually buy it. And if you're not, invest in what we're doing here because God cares about this church and every church. And generosity and the discipline of it starts here. And watch what God does in your life. So Jesus, we come before you now and I pray that money would never be a burden, God. But our greatest concern would be if we're trusting you and honoring you. God, you give and you take away. And you do it for a reason because I think it tests our heart. Like when the tide goes out and you really see what's on the ocean floor, what's really happening underneath, God? May we see, may we reflect that when the tide goes out, we're like, oh, I am greedy. Oh, I am being selfish. Maybe we repent, Lord. May we not be afraid to repent and say, God, I need to trust you and not money. And for God, some of us, the tide is in and the money's there. Lord, I pray we'd be wise with how we allocate it, that you would lead us, that you would tell us where do you want to invest and to make a difference in people's lives. And I pray we'd be a joyful, generous, genuine church to you, Jesus. We worship you now in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.